and welcome to Cool's Kids. I am your host, one of your hosts, Terrence Williams, joined with, joined with, and by, and against. You should Plot be twist. the full-time host. <laughs> you should be the host, and I should just be the forever guest. <laughs> I bequeath this podcast to you. Joined by the forever guest. <laughs> the forever guest sounds like a Star Trek episode. It does. Forever guest part two. That's what. <laughs> uh, what is your name? Brock Wilbur. What do you do? Why are you here? No. <laughs> oh, wow. You gave me the real treatment. I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Welcome to our emo show. Thank you for uh, tuning back in. We had a little uh, break there for a couple of weeks because uh, we uh, maxed out the bandwidth. And also, and also some of the emotional bandwidth. <laughs> uh, some of the emotional bandwidth. Uh, but today, we are going to be covering another concept album. We're on like a we're on like a, a tear. We can't seem to get out of this because uh, there's a lot of them. Like I don't even think about it, and then I'm just like, oh yeah, this is a this is a concept album. Um, but today, we are going to be covering Boys Night Out's Trainwreck. And you've never heard the song before, right? No, not at all. I I haven't listened to it in probably ten years because it is a it is incredibly sad, <laughs> and I couldn't uh, like when I was super into this uh, music. Like I wouldn't say I'm not into it now, but like right. when I was when it was like my thing, uh, like this was one that I could like I really loved, but I couldn't listen to because. It's just incredibly depressing. I really appreciate that you have albums like that because I never stopped myself from doing that. I was like, oh, this is going to hurt. Let's throw it on. <laughs> You've always been b- much better at self-care than I'll ever be. <laughs> uh, so what did what did you think? Oh, wow. Uh, it's so fun. It's so good. Uh, once again, as uh, seems to be the pattern here, Somehow I'm not nearly as good at concept albums as I thought I was. Like they've always mm-hmm. been my favorite thing. And like our, our thread recently has been to like plow through some of them. I don't know if it's just because like I have like one to three listens uh, to get through it. But like I just miss the entire concept album part. I'm like, okay, uh, this bangs <laughs> or this does not bang. This is, yeah, this album is a banger. Uh, it sounds like so many other albums and I can tell that there's a thread there, but I don't know what to do with it. Right. Yeah. Um, also, everyone that writes a concept album is named Connor. That's what I've <laughs> taken from this. This and cursive and like is that just what the lead all... singer's name is. Yes, Connor Lovett Fraser. <laughs> Love it. Leave it. Uh, Love it or list it. Don't watch that show. It's a bad show. I hate that show. I like that it's in every waiting room, and that you've had to suffer it in, in that manner as well. Like it'll uh, it'll be on at work. Well, like I'll be flipping through the channels on my lunch break, and it'll be on. And I'm just like, I hate you. Like I ugh, hate it so much. I hate. Uh, anyway, this album. I I I enjoyed a thing about this, which is that like while plowing through the Wikipedia, in 2006 they did a DVD called Jude. You need to stop dancing. Uh, and I was home this week, and I found uh, just like a whole shelf of like old concert DVDs I have from bands of this era and it was the reminder that like oh yeah this was just before youtube hit so it's like okay i've got like two different blood brothers dvds 
of them in early stages of their career, like right. doing shows that aren't particularly good, but this was the only way I could engage with the live experience at that time. And then it's like that terrible Deftones thing I told people about before on our Deftones episode and things <laughs> like that. I was like, oh, I, there was a very like clear point that that sort of DVD live show thing fucking died forever. Uh, and it's like, it died hard. Oh eight or like maybe even at latest early Oh nine. And then never again, (laughs) no mid range band can put out a thing and hot topic. Isn't going to carry it. Because there wasn't, there was like, it was very, like you said, it was very short because one, one you said YouTube, it was just around the corner. Right. And DVDs still weren't like, like uh, profitable to sell for small stuff. Right. You couldn't do a short so, run of like a thousand. <laughs> right. So you would get like warp tour made DVDs for a few years. And it's just like, why would I ever, why would I ever want a warp tour DVD? And <laughs> <laughs> what, in what sort of like, it's, it's the lead, like warp tour is also already like a bad place to see music. Basically like a, <laughs> A, a a a concert uh, festival is kind of a terrible place to see music because it's not just your band playing like the band you want to see is playing. Right. It's four other bands playing and you could kind of hear them in the distance. It's like somebody's <laughs> also making music, like also listening to music while you're trying to listen to music. Like, uh, like when you're, when, when another car drives beside you right? and they're playing their music louder than yours and you're just like, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of this car. I'm going to kill this guy <laughs> and I need him to understand this. If he doesn't turn down whatever shitty new metal he's listening to right now, I can't deal with it. Um, so speaking of uh system of a down and incubus on tour this summer together, why, why, why? what year is it? It's now. <laughs> It is the year of our Lord, hell year. Yes. Uh, 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 System of a Down is one of those bands where metalheads were just like, oh man, they're doing politics. We're going to get angry about politics now, but it's like the most sort of like milk toast, angry about politics music. It's like along the same lines as Raging Against the Machine stuff, where it's just like, we're white guys, and we're, even though they're not like white. Right. But. It was like it kind of get it like the the people who listened to it. It was always the same kind of white guy who had the same like faded tool shirt that he had bought ten years ago. <laughs> but not then. That was year one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, look, I will always forever give them credit for like introducing me to the idea of how fucked up mandatory minimum sentencing for drug use was. But that mm-hmm. was on the Toxicity album where they mm-hmm. just explain it in the middle of two different songs. Uh, so it's unavoidable. Like if you learn the lyrics, you have to learn to sing along with just some facts. Uh, uh-huh. But that album also in- includes like uh, Manson's opinions on like science and the environment and things like that. It was like, oh, you took on like a Bono level of politics here. Every right. song is a different thing. If you'd focus just a little bit more, but so I, I get it. Like, but they also did give me something, and I. I was that kid. That's fine. I'm not going to run away from that. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just kind of got exhausted by the sort of like, even before I was like, 
politics. Like, let's talk. I, I'm still not like, let's talk about politics. You'll never be but, that guy, Terrence. <laughs> no, I will never, ever be that guy. But before I was just like more willing to like look into politics, I was just kind of tired of just like, it felt like uh, um, Reverend Lovejoy's wife on the Simpsons, which she would go, won't somebody think of the children? Like, that's the kind of politics I felt was coming from this sort of uh, music. Right. And I was just, I was just like, ah, yeah. But also, like, and, uh, and again, to stick up for them, like, of everyone that was in that family values world, like, uh, at least they stood for something. <laughs> like, what was Stained <laughs> doing? Uh... Yeah, you know, if if outside by stain was about like prison reform, yes. <laughs> I don't even remember how that song goes now. Inside you're ugly, you're ugly like me. I am Aaron Lewis. Oh. I can see through. <laughs> There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm on the Hold up your lighters, everyone. Put your I just realized if you pitch down Aaron Lewis, he sounds exactly like the guy from uh, from uh, Godsmack. Oh, absolutely. I just realized that. Oh, man. Godsmack is awful. Awful. They're and on I keep tour again, hear, too. <laughs> I keep having to hear Godsmack because one of my favorite Sorry, YouTubers... Sorry, it's just the worst start of a sentence. <laughs> one of my favorite YouTubers is doing a, a retrospective on the Prince of Persia games. Oh, God. And... And in the advertising of, uh, it might even be in the actual game, but in the advertising of Prince of Persia, The Warrior Within, they play I Stand Alone by, uh, <laughs> and he keeps putting it in the video, and I keep having to hear it. And when I when I worked at GameStop, my first job was at GameStop in 2006. They were advertising that song. Uh, not 2006. Uh, how old? No. What they year? were advertising that song. They were advertising the the game with that song, right? And like every, it was like every thirty minutes, you would just hear, ah, stand alone, and I'm just like, I'm gonna, I can't do this anymore. And it was like a quiet Saturday morning, and you were just like, get the new Pokemon, it's on your Game Boy Advance, and then it'd just be like, I'm like, I'm gonna die. I feel like 2008 to 2014. Uh, that was replaced by any Muse song. Mm-hmm. Most likely something that uh, talks about the resistance, but also aliens. Right. So is Muse just like, just like a line back from Tom DeLong? God damn it. Uh, anyway, this album. We're going to do this thing again. I unapologetically love Muse. I will see Muse every <laughs> time they are anywhere near me. Fuck, I love them so goddamn much. But with each progressive album, uh, <laughs> as as I believe was summed up in a, a Something Awful review of uh-huh. their Black Holes and Revelations album, they're like, uh-huh. imagine shoving a Fabergé egg up Freddie Mercury's ass. <laughs> this is... 10 times more extravagant than whatever would be shat out there. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, that's right. It just, uh, it builds each time and it gets weirder each time. And each time I'm like, no, no, go back, go back to what you were. Take a, take a step back. Yeah. Uh, Like when I, I, I've, I've never sought out Muse. I have friends like you who enjoy Muse, who 
like they really like Muse, but I like it never I never got into it. Uh, when I was working at the radio station, they played a lot of Black Holes and Revelations, mm-hmm. whatever that uh, that just that song that came on a lot, and I was just like, which is eh. which is technically and sonically exactly the same as Toxic by Britney Spears. <laughs> it's not even a joke that it, it's it's like basically the same sound file, uh, <laughs> which Good. is a compliment to to, to Toxic, I think. <laughs> uh huh. Um. But uh, it, it just never did anything for me. Like, I never, I didn't hate it, but also I was just like, eh, I don't, I don't care. Um, and <laughs> then I saw the cover for Drones. Was uh-huh. that the last one that came yes. out? Yes. And I was just like, I'm just like, I'm good. I don't. I'm good. No, I'm fine. Fu- I'm fu- <laughs> it's just like a guy with a, with a remote controller head controlling. I'm just like, yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. We what if it. we did a metaphor, but it wasn't even a metaphor? It was just exactly what it was. Like you're, do you? You've watched The Simpsons. You watch all of The Simpsons, didn't you? I did. Do you remember that episode where, uh, where Bart, Bart Nelson Milhouse and Ralph started a boy band yes. for the army? Yes. And the, and the guy was yelling out the window, or he was like, uh, he was like, "There's three forms of uh, of uh, of th- subliminal." suggestion and he was just like there's liminal subliminal and super liminal and they were like what's super liminal and he like yelled out the window at Otto who was like he was like hey join the army and he was like okay and like that's what that is it's super liminal advertising super liminal black hole is a uh, is a muse song waiting to happen <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've brought this up on the show before and this is actually my line in to Muse was that like uh, it was back in that time where you would download mp3s and they were mislabeled so a yeah. lot of my first Muse songs were labeled as Radiohead and I was like why does this song like fucking kick uh, <laughs> and then the rest of these songs by Radiohead are so sad and bad uh, why, why does this song sound like Tom York actually woke up <laughs> Oh my god. But also like um their second album is called Showbiz. Uh and and this is when I got their first physical CD. It was an import that it was it's it's my first import I got and I got it because a uh a girl that was 2 years older than me in high school who was dating the only cool dude that was in the only cool band was like you've got to hear this band called Showbiz cuz I know how much they like Radiohead it was the album name, but I was like, all right, I'm into this because I don't know what this band is. And then I was like, ah, Muse. God damn it. Even in 2001, I was like, ah, you tricked me, Muse. You got me here via my friend, Amanda. Uh, I don't know. There, there are so few bands left that do a uh, very visual show uh, that every time I will buy a ticket, like the faint, anytime they come through, always get that ticket. Muse will mm. always do the same. Uh, mm. but each time it can vary between how much or how little I'm like, I'm super into this, but also my parents love them. So like the last time I went to see them a year ago, it was really great. My parents, uh, my sister, her husband, Viv, we all went, uh, but also 30 seconds to Mars opened, uh, which meant that I had to see that dude. And uh, (laughs) it means you had to see the villain from Far Cry 5. (laughs) 
Holly Green oh. has a tweet about how... Oh, uh, oh I saw it. <laughs> how everyone is just ripping him off in video games right now. And I was like, yeah, that's actually the realest thing. Yes. Yeah. To conclude uh, on to conclude on Muse, uh, like that guy can just do whatever he wants, and if he wants to make a Queen album, he can do that. Uh, but every once in a while, he just wants to try to be cool again, in the same way that that I think I've spoken here before about how like the Rolling Stones just go through terrible years where they're like we're disco now or whatever, and that yeah, seems the same with him 19, being like it was nineteen seventy to like now, yeah. Anyway, continue on with what you were saying. Oh, and and also, like, I met them very early in my time in Los Angeles and got to, like, mm-hmm. sound check with them on a song. And I was like, oh, this is, like, the coolest, biggest thing I'll ever do. Uh, mm-hmm. I like them. They're fun people. And it just... The, the absolute best thing that you can do uh, if you don't like Muse is that uh, in Europe... Uh, the daily morning shows still have musical guests uh, mm. and they will have them on, but they still just play backing tracks uh, and just let bands pretend to be doing this. This is in 2015, 2016. Uh, and so for a decade now, Muse has been in that position. And so every time they have to do one of those shows, they just all rotate one position to the right and it's three of them. Uh, so the drummer pretends to be the lead singer. He cannot sing at all, and the lead singer cannot drum. But they just, like, get through the song together, and it's a fun, wacky time. <laughs> and that is a thing that the last band that I knew that did that was Nirvana. So, like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, this album, uh, Trainwreck by Boys Not Out, it's basically a Silent Hill uh, concept album. <laughs> I cannot believe how accurate you got that. It it feels like, and not to stir up how angry everyone in the world is at me, it feels like when people compare something to Dark Souls and you're like, oh, okay, it probably yeah. won't be that. When you were like, this is like Silent Hill, I was like, that is like saying something is like Lovecraft. It's probably like, no, not it's, that thing. I was like, no, it's literally. Like, it's Ten literally. seconds in, I was like, yeah, Terrence. <laughs> I was, I, and I didn't even realize it until I suggested it to you. Like when you were like, hey, what album should we do? I was like, this one. And I was trying to describe it. And I was just like, and I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, it's literally like it's Silent Hill. Like if it, it's it's like a side story to a Silent Hill character. Or, or, or the main story, it starts out by being or, like, yeah. you know, you can't believe this narrator. Also, a woman is gone. And it's just like, okay, well, that's all that. And the music is kind of the same. Right. It's uh, uh, so the the story of the album is a man. Uh, he has he has some sort of infection that like gives him these violent, horrible nightmares. Right. And uh, in in the midst of one of these nightmares, he suffocated his wife in her sleep, or while they were both sleeping, and like so he becomes like catatonic, and like it starts off with the doctor like, uh, like recording like what is happening right and so the album goes through and uh the third track like the first two tracks are like uh the first track is the doctor relaying what happens and then the second track is him uh, like from the point of view of the patient is what he's right. called uh from the point of view of the patient and what happened that night 
And then uh, the third one is when he calls the ambulance and uh, he like he starts to cover the house in perfume, like her perfume to remember her. And then uh, the I'm reading on Wikipedia. Right. The fourth track is the doctor, uh, the doctor trying to convince judges that he should be sent to a mental hospital instead of sent to jail. And then it, it, like the guy tries to plead with him that he should that the hospital is actually making him worse so the doctor's just like okay like if it's really that bad like we'll we'll let you out right and so he he puts him back in the pot like he lets him go about his life and like the song mentions how uh how everyone is just like wow he's already back to work yeah. like why I, like that's like no <laughs> like everyone's kind of like side-eyeing him and they mentioned this in the song like uh, what I liked about when you actually listen to the lyrics of it, like it's it's very much the story. Like there isn't, there isn't like uh, and like it still fits into like being a song. But if you listen to it, it's just like oh, these are this is actually like, like it feels like a written story. Like if you actually listen to it instead of just being, us like lyrics to a song, if that makes sense. Right. Um, and so he goes back to society and then he's so overcome with guilt that he cuts off his hand so he won't kill again. Uh, so he goes, he goes to the hospital and they give him drugs and he starts hearing his wife's voice in his head and, uh, and it like starts playing a song. And so he goes on this medication and he's paying killers and he's taking these pain killers and the more painkillers he takes, uh, the song goes, hold on. The lyrics in the song go, uh, one pill to get me through the day, but I take two anyway. When mm-hmm. I take three pills, the song begins to play because he's basically taking more and more drugs right. to hear Because like when he's taking the drugs, like the song starts playing and he hears his wife. He feels close to his wife again, even though she's dead. Um, and so uh, he tells the doctor that he's getting better and he says, hey, my friends and family should come over. And like to visit him, like, hey, I'm doing fine, except for he starts killing them because like he thinks that killing them makes the song like like more more people more is added to the song whenever he kills a new person. Right. And he talks and he doesn't like he it says he laments having to dispose of the bodies and having to repeat the process. But like it feels like it brings him closer to his wife because he can hear the song more and more. Uh so like he basically locks himself inside his house after all this is done and he's just kind of uh like basically just drugs and alcohol all the time mm-hmm. and uh his final decision is that basically his wife in a dream his wife tells him that he needs to kill the doctor because that is the last part of the song that needs to be there and so the last two tracks are one is from the uh from the perspective of the patient and one's from the perspective of the doctor mm-hmm. and like the patient calls the doctor over but he and he plans on killing him but he's so like messed up on drugs and not eating and alcohol and all the stuff and uh and then the last track dying is like the first minute is from the perspective of the patient and he is uh like the healing which is the song before dying like it's it has this sort of upbeat sound to it 
mm-hmm. and then it immediately cuts into dying where it's like uh like the lead singer singing normally on healing and then when it gets to dying he like becomes like this like sort of downtrodden sounding noise because it's actually from the perspective of the doctor listening to the patient and the patient is clearly has like nothing left in him and he's completely lost and they talk about how the infection has spread up his arms into his legs. I mean, up into his, from his from his arms up into his neck and to his brain. And like, he, the doctor says there's nothing like he can do for him anymore. And whatever the, uh, whatever the infection is, is finally like taking him over. Um, and the doctor talks about like the house smells like dead bodies and rotten food, and there's perfume everywhere, and, like medicine and alcohol bottles. And it's like, it just sounds like a Silent Hill, like this would be the end of a Silent Hill game. Like this is what have happened to, this is the bad end for Harry or for, um, for James in Silent Hill 2. So what's, what's so interesting about this album is that it is a concept album. Uh, I think you can tell this from the string of things that we've done. This one is like about a real set of situations. Right. Like nothing, there's no magical bicycle that wants to drink somebody's blood, but there's also nothing that's right. uh, fantasy or like there's a king or something. Uh, and even within the weirdest parts of this, it's based in the reality of like a, okay, here is somebody struggling with a thing. Uh, and there are very few concept albums outside of like a cursive thing that's like, here's my divorce. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And, yeah. and this is that this is such an interesting middle ground where it's like, okay, we're doing uh, we're doing mental hospital, but we're doing it in this way, and that's not even the focus so much as this guy getting in and out of that, uh, and sort of right. this conversation between a couple of like really reality bound characters, uh, and then it just distills down into these songs, and that's so interesting. That's so much more interesting to me than anybody else doing this sort of like, what if it's like an eight album, I don't know, Lord of the Rings, but it's just about us. Uh, right. and we want to be queen and our name is My Chemical Romance and, <laughs> and we deserve to be hated. Uh, yeah, that like it, it's one of the reasons why I could never listen to this album is because it there's it's like not uh there's nothing fake about it like right. it's very it's very like on the nose like there's not like this represents this and this represents this it's just like no <clears throat> choking on my own spit um <laughs> weird it's <just> like no <laughs> i almost died in my chair <laughs> yelling about a yelling about how did terrence die oh do you know choking on his own spit like an idiot you know um <laughs> You know, he talks too much, so eventually. Uh, but love, yeah, there's I love nothing... you so much, and Viv loves you so much. Please don't, <laughs> please don't go this way. <laughs> don't, don't die by his spit. He had so much spit in his mouth. <laughs> and then, then there'll be PSAs for like, like, hey, don't talk so much. <laughs> when you talk. It's like it's like Jessica Chastain comes out on an NBC and she's just like she's like when people talk, it creates saliva. Oh and God! When there's too much, you can choke on it. Try not to choke. Try not to talk so much. The more you know. Is this is is this what Zero Dark Thirty is about? <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. This is actually what Miss Sloan is about. So. 
I don't understand that reference. It's a Chastain reference. I figured that, but I don't even know what Maslone is. It sounds like it sounds like a slur, not like not like a Miss Sloane. Miss Sloane. Oh, you kind of cut out for a second. I thought you said Maslone. And I was just like, what is Maslone? What is Maslone? What is Maslone? Miss Sloane. Okay. I understand. She's in like, she's in like seven movies coming out. Right. Anyway. Anyway, so. Miss Sloane was also, it's it's a movie about her being like a lobbyist. And it was the first time that I realized like, oh, Aaron Sorkin is is a genre, not a person. Like anyone can make an Aaron Sorkin movie if it's based in D.C. and everyone talks fast. Everyone Uh, talks fast (laughs) and a lot. It's like, and yeah. It's almost like it's like uh, it's like Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson yeah. is a genre. Yes. Uh, the Cohen brothers are a genre. We should just make a movie where people talk fast, but it's uh, uh, in front of like really interesting wallpaper, and then we'll just bridge <laughs> the two. Uh, we can have a movie that everyone talks a lot and talks fast, but it's like set to the shins, and it could be <laughs> Zach Braff. Uh, Aaron Sorkin, and then uh, movies can be done forever. <laughs> we're we're trying to Thanos movies. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to be done with movies. We do, um, we're trying to hit the endpoint on that, and then we'll hit the endpoint on games, and we'll be done. This is so interesting, and and this is also like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This is their only concept album. I believe so. Uh, yeah, they, so after this, when they had one the more EP that they did, like last year when they sort of got back together and like the Wikipedia for this band is so interesting because like over the years they just keep using social media to be like hey we haven't broken up we don't hate each other we're just taking a while Uh, and then at one point they posted a tweet that was like new album sounds like shit and then a few days (laughs) later they were like there is no new album but if we did have one it would sound very poor at this point because we're bad musicians and then it takes off for a couple of years and every once in a while they're like we're we're doing something and then in 2016 they did like an EP full album uh and when i was looking that up i i hit a thing that is becoming a problem here uh regarding doing the podcast which is that uh we're in this sort of like spring period where a lot of these vinyl companies are putting out like Hey, we got the first The Academy Is album or something. And I'm like, good, I haven't heard that yet, but I, like that I know we're going to hit that on the podcast at some point. <laughs> and we should actually do that next. Will I be sad that I don't own it <laughs> when we get there? And so no, I just, it's, no you won't. Not The Academy Is. It's, like, I really like that album, but that's not like something you need to own on vinyl. Yeah. And it, it is a good like spring summer album, but it's not something you need to own on vinyl. It's. Uh, it, it, it's, it's actually their of, best album it's a lot of like sophomore albums from bands that i don't know but i know we're gonna get to them like right ah, god damn it <laughs> yeah um uh, so you're mentioning like concept albums of like like cursive cursive is like the closest thing you'll find to something like this i i um, needed the libretto for this i need from like first track onward it's like okay here's the patient and here's the band and like that was out there like it was important to have right right uh what's like like you you said it's like i really like this album because it does feel like a complete story right uh especially after hearing 
uh, after I went back and listened to that Forgive Dirtin album where I was just like, I really liked this when I was younger, just like 10 years ago when that album came out. And then like hearing it now, I'm just like, man, they as a sto- story wise, there is like too much happening and not enough, like not enough space for it. I, uh, I worry that this is our problem with concept albums at this point is that we're too old and too tired. <laughs> Like, oh, is this going to take four and albums? Also we're both, uh, the Deer Hunter, I'm we're so also sorry, both, I'll never listen. We're also both reviewers, so, <laughs> like, like, I'm so used to, like, a story kind of fleshing itself out, but this one, like, has just enough, like, it's just two characters. Right. And so, like, story-wise, like, it makes, like, it, the, it's in and out, and right. also the album's under an hour, I think the album's 52 minutes, so, like it's in and out and like it's told well and it's act, like, I think it's actually a good story. It doesn't right. like, it doesn't kind of uh, wring its hands at any point and just kind of, kind of uh, not give you anything. Like it's not like, there's nothing in here that feels like chaff. I, I, I do like that you brought that up because uh, earlier today I was thinking about it on the same terms. I was like, oh, I haven't revisited like a lot of the music criticism that I grew up with, uh, but I want to because I know that in my head now I'm like, oh, there are critics that knew like uh, to discuss a band being like, okay, they're singing like harmonies based on the 11th. Uh, chord progression so they were like doing this sort of thing that like monks do versus people that are like I just don't feel like I like it <laughs> <laughs> and like I, I've been thinking about that a little bit lately in terms of like video games and stuff it's like oh there is a difference between the people that make a thing at least in their spare time versus like people that do not and how they react to a thing I was like oh like I I did so much like bad music criticism early in my life but like right. that was better than my video game criticism because at least i'd recorded albums i knew what yeah. it was like to be like the reverb is bad uh versus <laughs> being like the ui here uh i don't understand what they were doing in unity i don't know what any of those words are i still don't uh so yeah yeah there is a I don't like I don't know music music and well like anything kind of f- feels weird to review right. because like it can be personal but also again like if I feel like if you can express yourself in a way right <laughs> what that's not just like this thing sucks I hate it um then you have something there but and this isn't to deviate from the album we're talking about this feels very based in this uh it is yeah it is for what it is, uh, very based in the limits of the songs. It is an album you can enjoy without having to know the meta narrative. Uh, right. It's really interesting and fun, and obviously like well recorded. Uh, but also just something that I'm like, I've never even heard of this band, so it's like, where did this get lost in the discussion of? these bands like I, right. I from the wikipedia i'm like okay they open for a couple of people on a couple of tours and that was the end of it and i feel like that's a that's an end point that we hit with a lot of bands on the show it's like i don't know they like open for somebody fun for a year and that was the end of it and yeah. It's like yeah that's the the sustainability that they had and that's why you found their album in some sort of bargain bin somewhere 
I'm, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and they went on the Nintendo Fusion tour with Fallout Boy, Motion City Soundtrack, The Starting Line, and Panic at the Disco. And I was just like, who put that tour together? It was just like, you know, what we need on this tour, Boys Night Out. You know that really depressing album that they made. What if we had it play uh, in front of Fallout Boy and Panic at the Disco? <laughs> <laughs> like like i could sort of see motion city soundtrack because motion city soundtrack as like poppy as a lot of their singles are right if you listen to a motion city soundtrack album especially around that time like even if it kills me like there's a lot on that album that's like uh, like about breakups and like trying to be a better person and stuff like that and how you can't call it a comeback <laughs> but like i don't know like the starting line i like one of their albums but like they're not the band that you pair with boys not out especially or like panic at the disco maybe fallout boys second album like the latter half of that where they go into like more realistic stuff and not is this more than you bargained for yet right we gotta do that album too because i like that album fair enough <laughs> i don't like pete wentz but i remember signing up for the uh the fueled by ramen uh newsletter right um, and pete went sent out a picture of his dick and i was just like thank you that was exactly what i wanted in my inbox pete wentz thank you for i love how many times it's come up on the podcast now i hate I, that's the only thing i've ever i hate i hate him not for that I mean, it's one of the things, but it's just like... <laughs> Not for that, though. Why did you... He just seems like he just makes bad music. And he seems like a douchebag with his bad hair. Um, anyway. Yeah. So would you recommend this album? Absolutely. Uh, this one, more so than any of the last few that we've talked about, stands on its own. Uh, yeah. You'd said it was a concept album, and... Uh, I almost took that as a joke when we got started and I was like, okay, but it is though, but I don't have to dig in. And also we didn't have a guest that this was their like favorite fucking thing. So I didn't feel any responsibility <laughs> to be like, you know what? I've got to go read the lore before we get on the podcast here. Right. It was fun and, and good and it rocks. And there are a number of songs that are really fucking sad, but it has a consistency. Yeah. Uh, it's so well recorded. I like it a lot. Yeah. yeah please uh, listen. It, it was like it came in a certain time because this album came out in what 2006 2005 uh and it was around the time of bands like uh that were like kind of bridging the gap between um like that post-hardcore and like before like post-hardcore became that weird like a data remember pop right. punk influenced post-hardcore and like after emo like right. sort of second wave sort of came and went this is like the pre-musical theater of like a panic at the disco right and it was like but it, when it was still find, a band <laughs> right like you'll find bands like the receiving and the sirens or uh or matchbook romance or armor for sleep bands like that that are that sort of fit into this this corner that uh that was only like a few years long right um so yeah, I I really like this album. Uh, one of the things I did like about it was how the like when he did scream, when the guy yeah. whoever was in the background screaming, it was never like just him screaming lyrics. It was like a part of the story. 
it was always like when something got intense in the story, right. that's when like the weird stuff would come along. It wasn't just like some guy screaming, um, which I thought was a neat thing. And that's all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say as well. If I had a piece of paper, I would throw it like at the end of a weekend update. And that's the end of that tale. Just one more thing. That's Columbo, but. I'm Brock Wilbur. I'm at Brock Wilbur online. Terrence, where can people find you? <laughs> I know how to end a show. I know um, you do. I'm at, the, <laughs> I'm at the Black Nerd, and both of us are at Coolest Kids Pod. Uh, and I have another podcast called WWCI Podcast, which is Twitter, but it's called whatever we call it. And Brock has another podcast called Missouri, Missouri Lights Company. Company. And you also have carrying into the void. Sign us up. Thank you, everyone.